Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Thank you for the mighty working of your grace, the mighty working of your power. And Lord, we ask that you will just strengthen us with might in the inner man. That in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, there will be the free flow of the grace of God. We pray that there will be a revelation of God shown to us tonight. Our lives will be better for it. Thank you, God, because I'm anointed to teach and your people anointed to receive. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Right, so we started talking about the, the prayer life of Jesus. We started talking about the prayer life of Jesus. And what we're trying to establish is to learn from the life of Jesus um, how he prayed and some of the things we can glean from his life. And one of the things we found out from the prayer life of Jesus was that Jesus had a habit of prayer. And that's very important for us because we must learn to cultivate a habit of prayer. Everybody say habit of prayer. Can we say it one more time? Say habit of prayer. Okay, what that means is that you're not just praying because you feel like. Or you're not praying because there is a crisis. That's very important. You're not praying because you feel like. Or you're not praying because what? Because there's a crisis but you're praying because prayer has become your life and that is what we we see in the life of Jesus that prayer was his life Jesus had the habit of praying and and that is very important the habit of praying you know most times we have seen prayer as a either a means of getting something from God or using prayer to attack something and because of that, it, it almost looks like when there is no reason to pray, most of us can just live that way without praying. But you, you, you must realize that Jesus had a habit of prayer. Jesus had a habit of prayer. And that's very important. That we must cultivate a habit of prayer. What that means is that prayer to us is not just something we, we do. But prayer is a lifestyle. And if prayer becomes a lifestyle, what we find out is that it will be easy for us to do what? To pray. A woman by the name of Korea Ten Boom said, Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Is it through prayer that you guide your life or it is something you pull out occasionally when there's a crisis? What God wants us to, to, to be is to be a people of prayer. To be a man or a woman of what? Of prayer. And that becomes our habit. Let's go to Luke chapter 5 and verse 16. Luke chapter 5 and verse 16. Luke chapter 5 and verse 16. Luke 5, 16. Let's look at verse 16. Talking about Jesus, if you read from verse 15, it says, However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So we realize that great multitudes came together to hear from Jesus. And in verse 16, it says, So he himself withdrew, he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. He himself also withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. So you find out there that Jesus had the habit of withdrawing to pray. Of withdrawing to pray. Now, that means it was a conscious effort. Like in this, in this place, like we, we, we also established on Sunday, it was... After a mighty success, the whole multitude were looking for him. But he made a conscious decision to withdraw himself to pray. You see, if you do not make a conscious decision to cultivate your prayer life, you will never pray. 
If you never make a conscious decision to say, I'm going to take out two days and pray, you will never pray. We think the things of life, the business of life, in quote, the successes of life, get to us in such a way that if we are not deliberate about withdrawing ourselves, we will never get into prayer. So we find out that Jesus was deliberate about what? Withdrawing himself. He withdrew himself. Everybody say withdraw. I can hear you. Say withdraw. withdraw. Now, it's important that once in a while, we do what? We withdraw from people to do what? To pray. This was a habit. This was a lifestyle of Jesus. Not because he needed something from God, but he wanted to fellowship with God. And that is what I said it on Sunday, and I repeat it again, that in the place of prayer, the believer will keep his sanity. In the place of prayer, that's where you, you can be seen. Because of all the things going on in the whole world, you hear all kinds of reports. Fear-based reports, worry-based reports, discouragement, ingratitude, unthankfulness, disappointment, betrayals. Your human mind and emotions was not built to handle all of that, except there is a divine supply of the Spirit. And you can only get that divine supply of the Spirit in the place of prayer. So you find that, that Jesus often withdrew himself. The word often means he did it regularly. He did it regularly. You must have regular periods where you withdraw yourself to pray. You must have regular periods where you come off social media to pray. You must have regular periods where you come off activities to pray. You can't be going to birthday parties and occasions every Saturday. That's not your purpose. Even if you are an event planner, there are times to take time off your job and do what? And pray. So we must cultivate a habit of withdrawing ourselves to pray just like Jesus did. In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7, the Bible says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries, with loud cries. So Jesus was not a, just praying a casual, um, you know, Lord, I just thank you, Father, I just thank you kind of prayer. No, he prayed with, with fervency. If the prayer moves your heart, it will also move your body. He prayed with loud cries. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 20, it says that the Holy Spirit makes intercessions with groanings which cannot be uttered. Groanings which cannot be uttered. There is a realm of prayer you get into that you would, you would have to pray with loud cries. And we're not just talking of cry, oh God, help me, oh, I'm dying. Oh, no, those kind of cry. But pray in the mind of the spirit to the point where it is like you're praying with words that are not human words. We're going to, I, I, I was thinking I'm going to finish today, but we're going to extend till Sunday when, I, when we look at how Jesus prayed to overcome temptation. You know, we, we, sometimes we joke with our prayer life. We don't understand how important it is. And that's why we can do everything else and pray at night when we are tired. Because it's not important to us. It's not important. We will watch the news. You know, there are people who don't miss the 8 o'clock news. Wherever they are, they want to catch up with the news. They watch the news. They watch the sports roundup. They watch the global roundup. They watch news watch. Then they watch after news watch to summarize the news they have watched at 8 and at 9 and at 10. And then uh, they make all the midnight calls. And few minutes before they are to depart the earth in sleep, then they just make a quick prayer to God. How, how do you expect to have a successful Christian life? How do you expect to walk in love? How do you expect that the word of God will be fruitful in your life when prayer is not important to you? If we call for a prayer meeting in church now, you'll be amazed at how many people will show up. Because to them, it's not important. The apostles told the, told, told the church, we will give ourselves to prayers and to the ministry of the word because they observed from the life of Jesus that prayer is important. Prayer must become important to us. It's not just something that we do when we feel like 
you must have separated times of prayer, separated months of prayer, separated days of prayer, separated hours of prayers. It must not just become casual. Most of us, if, we were, if, if the Lord was to allow us live by our prayers, we would not be alive. Most of us are just based on the mercy of God. And that mercy of God, don't mistake it, that's the same mercy that comes on the just and the unjust. You know, God is a good God. That he causes even the rain to fall on what? On the just and the unjust. Most of us are living in that, in that rain, that free-for-all rain. There's really nothing different as if we're the children of God. Why? Because our prayer life doesn't show it. So if you were an unbeliever, you will still experience the same level of results because it's just the mercy of God that you're living in. So it's important for us to reevaluate our prayer lives that we're giving enough time to prayers and enough commitment to prayers. Amen. I said amen. Also, Chamba says, we tend to use prayer as a last resort, but God wants it to be our first line of defense. We pray when there's, when there's nothing else we can do, but God wants us to pray before we do anything at all. Most of us would prefer, however, to spend our time doing something that will get immediate results. We don't want, for, we don't want to wait for God to resolve matters in his good time because his idea of good time is seldom in sync with ours. In the place of prayer, the believer develops patience. Because one of the things that prayer does for you is to build perseverance. One of the things prayer does for you is to do what? Is to build perseverance. That's one of the things prayer does for you. To build perseverance. To cause you to persevere. To cause you to be able to hold on. To hold forth. In the place of prayer, you develop patience. And so... You, you, you find out that prayer has a lot to do with you changing than you doing what? Than you changing God. Prayer is not really about you changing God or making God to change his mind. Prayer is about you getting changed in the place of prayer. That as you begin to pray and fellowship with God, God begins to change you from the inside out. There are corrections that human beings will never be able to give you because you will not listen. But God in the place of prayer can do what? Can speak to you about them. Are you following what I'm saying? Imagine a husband who has all the ego in the world and who is full of pride. Can the wife cancel the man? You know, there are husbands that say, even your pastor, your pastor cannot talk to me. When was he called into ministry? And nobody can talk to them. It's only God that can talk to them, but they will never pay attention to God. They don't even stay long enough in the place of prayer to receive correction from God. Because when they get into prayer, the prayer line is set. Father, I just want to thank you for keeping me. I remember I'm traveling. Remember I'm traveling today. <laughs> don't forget. Make sure nothing happens. When I come back, I'll give you the glory. Have you heard that prayer? That when we come back, we will give you the glory. So between now and when we return, we will just... Sort it out. Then when we return, we'll give you the glory. <laughs> Martin Luther said, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. It's amazing how much supply of the Spirit we'll get in our lives if we'll give ourselves to prayer. And I'll tell you this. I don't just want this series to be a very nice teaching we had in church. I want it to change your life. And your prayer life. I want you to grow in the hours you pray. I want you to grow in the days you pray. I want you to grow in your fellowship of prayer. So this is not just a nice series. Oh, fine. Ah, we studied that. Man, our pastor can teach. I just like the man. He's a teacher. That's not the point. The point is, after this couple of days we're spending around this topic, it should stir your heart to prayer. If it doesn't stir your heart to prayer... It's just another good sermon. You know, it's when you do the word that the word benefits you. Amen. The first step is to hear the word. The second step is to do what? To do the word. To act on the word. Amen. All right. So let's read Luke chapter 5. 
and verse 15 to 16. Luke chapter 5 and verse 15 to 16. That's where we are, right? However, the report went around concerning him all the more. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So himself often withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. The first line, however, the report went around concerning him all the more. When the reports of the ministry of Jesus went around, he responded by praying more. He responded by praying more. I'll repeat it again. The believer's response to success is to give yourself to more prayer. Hallelujah. Is to give yourself to what? To more prayer. Not to upload Facebook status. Give yourself to more, more prayer. Not to say news, Jesus trending, hashtag all over the world, hashtag global, hashtag multitude are coming, hashtag come right here, hashtag we are covering the earth, hashtag no, Jesus went into the place of prayer. And that's why sometimes you find out that believers' success is almost like they go up today, they come down tomorrow, they go up today, they come down tomorrow. The reason is because sometimes when God does stuff for us, we just bask in the euphoria of that thing until we run out of energy. Then what happens? We go back to the place of prayer again. We breath something and we don't. But if you would be a man who prays constantly, you would always be on a constant rise. Because what will happen is success will not change your habits. Success, listen, and it said this. Success for the believer must not change your habits. Are you following what I'm saying? If you were praying, uh, and I, 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 I'm sorry to say this, but I've seen it a lot in church where a brother is struggling to get a job, things are tough, and the brother says, Pastor, I just love church. I just love the house of God. Sometimes you have to literally beg them that we don't have fellowship today. Look for something else to do. All right, they are praying in church, and before you even raise the prayer point, once you say, let us, they have started praying. Low Shantaba. You have not even heard what we want to pray about. They just pray, and then they get the job. Then the first one week, they still pray. And then the second week, say, man, my work. And then the third week, you are begging them that today's, today's Bible study. Ah, say, Pastor, I was thinking today is Thursday. They've even started mixing the days. That's how busy they've become. And you realize that God always wants people that they should remember him. Do you know why God wants people like that? Because it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget. It's easy to forget our vows that we made to God. Oh God, I'm going to pray for these missionaries. I, you know, I remember um, many years ago we were at the youth service. We went to Joss, a city of Joss in Nigeria for, for the national NCCF camp. And they brought this. I don't want to mention his name, but Ferry Missions guy, old man. The man challenged us. Oh, people are dying. They need to hear the gospel. This one. You know, this kind of prayer that the man is even crying halfway. Oh, people, people are dying. Who wants to commit to missions? Ah, people just ran forward. Ah, well, in that service, I didn't even come forward. I was, I, was, I was just seated. And I saw people coming forward. People coming forward. People that, even before we came, they had dreams on their walls. They're going to be engineers. They're going to do this. Everybody's missions were going for. Um, two months afterwards, then you ask them, uh, how, what, what's the plan for the missions? Say, my brother, it's not easy. <laughs> By the time they calculate the allowance, they have gotten a call from home. Or maybe the girl they wanted to marry saw them in front. So when they got back, the guy said, we'll, we'll talk about something when we we'll get back. So by the time they got back, you know, I said, I want to clarify so that we know where we are in this relationship. That, that front you went to, did you, did you mean it? Are you really going to become a missionary because I'm not ready? Say, no, no, no. You know, you know, not everybody who goes forward is actually going. <laughs> then you begin to hear that, you know, some will go, some will give their money, some will stay behind as others are going to make sure the church does that. Yeah, yeah, theories will start. But you see, in the place of prayer, you build your convictions. Amen. In the place of prayer, you do what? You build your convictions. As you are interacting with God, what happens? God deepens your conviction. The believer was never designed to be ruled by emotions. Never. Never. It was designed to be ruled by what? By convictions. Come on, can we say that together? I said the child of God was never designed to be ruled by emotions, 
but be ruled by convictions. Do you know why? Because this faith is a faith that people were killed for. Uh, do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? It's like someone walks into this service right now and, come on, I mean, someone walks into the service with a gun and says, if you really know you believe in Jesus Christ, come here. If you know you don't believe, then you can go free. They are going to see people that say, they believe you mean. How, how do you mean it? <laughs> because now they are looking for a way to escape, right? That how do you really mean the, the belief? Does it mean that if my father is coming to church and I join my father, that means I have believed or? <laughs> so, so, you see, you can't be emotional. Am I right? Because people were killed for this faith. So the disciples of Jesus, in fact, were literally killed for the faith. So it wasn't a, it, it, it wasn't a decision that they were not sure of. You couldn't just follow Jesus about. That's why in the upper room, in the, in the, on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says they were in the upper room. The door was locked. When Jesus died, they went in there. The door was locked. They were not... It wasn't like church where they had flyers, you know, this is, we follow Jesus. Man, Jesus is the main thing that was happening. Jesus was treated like a criminal. You know, the death on the cross was not, it wasn't, it wasn't a fancy death. There were two thieves at the left and at the right. In fact, one of the thieves said, if you are the son of God, free yourself and free us. You know, sometimes your mouth will always put you in trouble. The other one says, keep quiet, why are you talking like that? You know, and Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. That tells us that it is faith in Christ that saves. Faith in Christ. If you believe in Jesus, you're saved. It's not of your works. The man believed in Jesus. And God says, today you'll be with me in paradise. That tells us something about theology and paradise also. Because some of us feel you can't get into paradise until. But Jesus said, today. <laughs> because Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. That means resurrection and life is not an event, it's a person, and his name is Jesus. So, he was crucified between two thieves, meaning he was the third one. And they had to exchange. So, it wasn't, what I'm trying to say is following Jesus was not a nice thing. It was not something you printed stickers, you wore t-shirts. If they caught you, they'll kill you. So, the believer can never live by emotions. He has to live by what? Convictions. You have to be sure of what you're doing. And it is in the place of prayer we build conviction. When Jesus was entering the new phase of his life, he prayed. Luke chapter 3 verse 21. Luke chapter 3 verse 21. I'm going really slowly because I want us to get this. I want us to really get this. That I want our prayer lives to be revitalized. I want our prayer lives to be on fire. Luke chapter 3 and verse 21. Why all the people were being baptized, so a lot of people were being baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. But there was something different about Jesus. Look at this. And while he prayed, the heavens was opened. I really like this. It's like they're baptizing people, right? So they were baptizing a lot of people. John Baptist was just baptizing. We're just baptizing. We're just baptizing. But when it came to the point of Jesus, you know what Jesus was doing? Jesus got into that point to be baptized and also added prayers. And, and I learned something from this. Whatever you're doing, keep prayers in it. Are you following what I'm saying? Pray. You can pray while cooking. You can pray why reading something? Just pray. Add prayers to it. Everybody was just interested in getting into the water. You know, in this our generation, if you are going to baptism, you are even giving your phone to people as they, as they baptize me. Just snap me. As I'm entering, just snap me. <laughs> you see people baptize with the peace sign. Baptize. <laughs> and then on Instagram, baptizo. Fully immersed. <laughs> you know, we, we are in this... Generation where it's show everything, show everything. You, you, must, you must allow the Lord to humble you. Are you following what I'm saying? If not, you will even post on social media things you don't have a business posting in the first place. It will become an addiction. So while everybody was busy baptizing, Jesus was praying. Some events are not events for, for likes and publicity. They are spiritual events. 
in this situation, Jesus was praying. And the Bible says the heavens were opened. Jesus was praying. And the Bible says the heavens were opened. Do you pray? Are you, do you take things spiritually? Let me give you a very simple example. Do you pray before you come to church? Do you pray? Do you spend time to pray? And say, God, as, we, as I'm going, I pray that the eyes of my understanding will be enlightened. Do you spend time to pray for the service before you come? Or is it just normal? We have to go to church. Don't worry, pastor, I prayed for us. Do you pray? And that's why sometimes you don't understand what is being taught. Because by the time you leave, you realize that you're living contrary to everything that's been taught. Because the eyes of your understanding is not enlightened. So you can't see. Are you following what I'm saying? Do you pray before meetings? Do you, do you take time and say, Lord, this series that is being taught in church, I really want to understand it. Open my eyes to see. So, not every activity should be for selfie taking. You know, we, 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 we are a generation that likes drama. We like acting. We like everything. You know, so sometimes the reverence in even spiritual activities is taken out. And sometimes, sometimes I wonder, you know, someone is worshipping and is lost in worship, and later you see the video on Facebook. And, and whilst you're watching the video, someone is worshipping, you are seeing other people capturing the moment. They said they are capturing the moment when we should all be worshipping God. Are, are you following what I'm saying? You know, I, of course, you can't try that in, in here. Because if we don't have an official photographer, you don't need to take any picture while you're in church. When we close, it's fine. But you can't be doing that when I'm teaching. It won't work. You know, there are things they say, you know, Pastor, you can talk to them later. No, I'll talk to you from here. <laughs> Sit down and listen. Do, do you understand? If we're in a cinema class, then we understand that we're practicing photography. We're here to learn the word of God. Are you following what I'm saying? You're not here to capture moments. You're here to be transformed. Live the moments themselves. We, we must understand why baptism to other people was just normal, but Jesus prayed while being baptized, and the difference was clear in his life. The heavens were opened. As a child of God, learn to spiritualize things. You know, sometimes we have, we have in an attempt to say, oh, you are too spiritual. Everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. Now we are going to the extreme of carnality. We play with everything. You see people praying and drinking tea. Oh, Father, we just thank you. We just, we just, oh, Jesus, we worship you. Oh, Jesus, we just thank you. And, and, and they are praying. When you say, say, ah, you are too serious, God will hear. He will hear. But he might not be able to use you to do anything for his glory. If the people who handed over the faith to us were praying like this, there would be no Christianity. So you, 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 can't be, you can't be playful about spiritual activities. We must take spiritual activities with prayers. When you come for your choir rehearsals, pray. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. So, when Jesus was entering a new phase of his life, he prayed. That's something we should do when we're going into new phases of our life. Spend time to pray. You're getting married, spend time to pray. Spend time to pray on your marriage. You get a new job, you move into a new location, invest time in prayers. In those, in those days, you would hear people say, well, we want to do this, but we want to first of all take out time to pray. Have you heard that statement? We want to do what? Take out time to pray about it. You know, have you met people and you ask, you're talking to them about something and say, well, let's pray about it. You say, there's no need to pray. You know, you've heard people like, because they feel it's a waste of time. Ah, you, you even heard people made the statement like God gave us our brain to think. Of course, he gave us our brain to think, but not independent of his influence. Amen. So the believer does not think apart from God. He thinks in conjunction with God. But how can you do that? In the place of prayer. Can you say amen? amen. All right. Luke chapter 6 verse 12. Luke chapter 6 verse 12. We're looking at the prayer habits of Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. First, verse 12. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray. Now you realize that if you study the life of Jesus, he was always going to the mountain or to a solitary place to pray. Why, why was that? Because he wanted to avoid distraction. Everybody say distraction. One of the hindrances to effective prayers is distraction. Can we say that again? Everybody say distraction. See, you must learn to block off distraction in your prayer life. Train your family to respect your prayer life. Train your children to respect your prayer time. Are, are you following what I'm saying? Let me explain something about children to you. If you train your children to respect something, they'll respect it. So I'll give you an example. Um, my, my children don't come close to my phone. They don't, even when they were small. They can play around it. It's, it's like a sacred object. They'll play around it. You know when they want to play uh, free kick in football? You know the 10 meters. They can play around it. They won't touch it. But with their mom's phone, in the early days, it was almost like they could until she set the boundaries. But if you don't set those boundaries, the children will play with it. Are you following what I'm saying? You know, you, you, you go so, to some places and you say, what happened to the, to the television? Ah, I don't mind these children. They just broke it. Ah. <laughs> and you say we should not mind them. They broke the TV. He said, I've even replaced it two times. They are still breaking it. These children. Hey. <laughs> so the next question is that, does the child want to be replaced? Do you understand what I'm saying? Because... <laughs> Should we replace you? Or, so you? Do you get what I'm saying? It's the same thing with your prayer life. If you are praying and your child comes and you stop prayer, you attend to the child. You're praying, he comes. Before you know, every time you start praying, the boy will show up. He will seem like the answers to your prayers. So you must train your children to respect the sacredness of prayer. Your husband, your wife, everybody within the house, we must understand that this is time we're spending with God. You can wake up earlier. You can stay up late. But make sure that you are separating yourself to pray. We cannot pray in the midst of distractions. Are, are you following what I'm saying? Okay. Now, this is very important. Go to verse, um, verse 12. Let's read again. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. So Jesus prayed all night. That's what I want you to pick. Jesus prayed how long? All night. Somebody say, so what was he even praying? That's the point. That's why we need to learn to pray in the spirit. Because when you pray in the spirit, you are edifying yourself and you're speaking what? Mysteries to God. But let's look at this. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve whom he also named apostles. So you realize that, now this is very, very important. You realize that Jesus was about to make a major decision in his life. What was that decision? He was going to choose twelve people who are going to be his apostles from all the disciples that Jesus had. And what did Jesus do? What was Jesus, listen carefully, we're children of God, we follow the word of God. What did Jesus do to choose 12 disciples? He did a personality test. Come on, talk to me. Did he do a personality test? Did he do SWOT analysis? Did he do a temperament test? What did he do? Come on, talk to me. What did he do? He prayed. To choose 12 men. And he still chose Judas. <laughs> With all the prayers, Judas showed up. <laughs> if he hadn't prayed. <laughs> maybe we'd have had one Peter, 11 Judases. That tells us that the believer does not make decisions primarily from his logical mind. He makes them in the place of prayer. Including the choice of your friends. He said, I just like the way that woman dressed. Jezebel dresses very well. The same thing with Deborah. So you have to choose. I just like people from my tribe. You know, somebody who talks that way, you know that 
they still need to go through foundation class. Some of the greatest help you will ever receive will not be people from your tribe. Some of the most loyal people to you in this life will not be people from your tribe. Some of the best people you will ever meet in this life might not come from your geographical region. We cannot make decisions without spending, listen, I did not say we cannot make decisions without praying. Listen to me carefully. We cannot, we cannot make decisions without spending long time in prayer. Because what happens when you spend a long time in prayer is the Lord processes your mind and you come to a place where you can acknowledge the will of God. Are you following what I'm saying? We're not just saying, oh God, God, I'm about to choose 12 disciples. I pray that I will not choose the devil. Whoever you want me to choose, oh God, let me just choose. According to your name, in glory, in Father, in Jesus' name, amen. You come, you come. You will choose 13 devils with one on the bench. What do you do? As you spend time in prayer, you know what is happening? It's more like you're reading your flesh. You're clearing your mind. You're able to accept the will of God. Because I tell you, sometimes the people God will make you to choose are not people you would like naturally. So you have to pray until your spirit accepts the will of God. You get two job offers. How many of you know when you go to the place of prayer, the first thing you will hear is, my son, go to the one that pays more. This is your year of increase and double portion. That's what you hear. But as you spend time in prayer, God can begin to show you what. How many of you know that the deeper a conversation gets, the more other things that were not part of the conversation shows up? You, 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 you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's like when you talk with your friend and you're just talking. Maybe I just strolled to see one of my brothers. And we're just talking, talking, talking. Maybe from one discussion to another, from one discussion, then maybe we'll just talk about something totally within plan, but was important. But you realize if we had not talked for that length of time, that won't show up. That's what happens to most of us in prayer. We don't spend enough time to talk with God. We just have a shopping list. My husband, my wife, my cat, my dog, my plantain, my lights. Then I'm traveling. Let me not die quickly. I want to see my grandchildren. And you just go, Lord, I have seven points. Quickly, pay attention. Don't listen, pay attention. Father, in Jesus' name, my wife, my cat, my dog, my plantain, my light. I don't want to die. Father, I thank you because you are a good God. Boom. Just cross your leg. Telemundo. <laughs> I am just watching. I'm just watching. You know, God will just be looking at you like, so she has gone. I know God is a merciful God. So what happens is, you will still get those things. But you realize what we talked about Ananias. When God wants to do intense things on the earth, he looks for the man who is a praying man or a praying woman and starts sharing his heart with that individual. And say, can we build a church together? Can we plant a church? Can we form the missionary? Can we take the gospel further? Can we do this? Can we do that? And that's why you realize that sometimes people come and they, you share the vision that God is putting in your heart. You just look at you and say, man, that vision is big. Oh. Ah, that vision. Ah. And they are, they are wondering, how can you have such a vision? If you listen to God, he would only talk to you about the visions in his heart. And in the visions of his heart, you would find fulfillment. How do you go into full-time ministry if you're not talking to the Lord? How do you accomplish whatever any ministry will accomplish if you're not spending time with God? Because if you're not careful, you will resort to a lot of human strategies to get things done if you will not spend time in the place of prayer. So spending time in the place of prayers helps us to purify our decision-making process. Another thing is in the moment of temptations to fulfill visions by our flesh, we must learn to pray. John chapter 6, verse 15. So we'll do two more, and then we can go. John 6, 15. John 6, 15. Are you learning something? Say amen if you're learning. All right. It's better. John 6, 15. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Father. Look at this. Verse 14, that's after the, the, the whole basket show. People have eaten. You know, when people have finished eating and you feed them, they can do all kinds of things. Let's read it from verse 12. It's an interesting story. So when they were filled, he sent his disciples, gather out the fragments that remain that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled the baskets with the fragments of five belly loaves, which were left over by those who were eating. Look at verse 14. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, 
this is truly the prophet who is to come to the world. Wow. After you have eaten. Verse, 20, verse 15. Therefore, when Jesus perceived, look at this, that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, <laughs> he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. These guys have eaten. They said, this is the prophet. And they said, come on, let's make this man our king. When Jesus perceived that, what happened? He withdrew to pray. Now, you know, Jesus, by predestination, is king. But that's not the way he should become king. God is the one to crown him as king of kings after the resurrection. So this is, this is, and this is very tricky, but you need to pay attention to this. When the things that God has put in your heart, for you to be able to perceive what is coming to pass by the flesh and what is coming to pass by the spirit, you have to spend time in prayer. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? It's like when God told Abraham, I'm going to give you a child, and Ishmael came forth. Ishmael was, was of the flesh. So you see, God can promise you all the things that God has promised you, that's fantastic. The next question I want to ask you is, how are they coming to pass? Are they coming to pass by the flesh? Or they're coming to pass what? By the Spirit. So I'll give you an example. As a minister of the gospel, maybe the Lord had told me, we're going to build a cathedral. And I realized there are some rich men in my church. You know, I can, I can, I can take the prosperity gospel and preach it in such a way that those guys give. And I build the cathedral. And at the end of the day, what do we say? Well, God has helped us to build the cathedral. Do you realize that? Or at the same time, I can just say, Lord, how do you want to get this done? And God gives me an idea on how to get it done. So, but if we are not in the place of prayer, we will accept every offer. You know, it's like if we're here now and they say, well, we want to make you king. You're going to say, Lord, you told me that I'm going to be king. Please come and make me. You people are fulfillment of God's vision for my life. It's easy to get into the flesh. Because the enemy does not mind counterfeiting the promises of God in your life if they will take you out of the will of God. And that's tough. That's tough. The ability to be able to discern. It's like when Naaman uh, came with those gifts and Elijah said, it's not time to receive gifts. And Gehazi ran after the man. And collected gift and collected leprosy. <laughs> you know what the prophet said? The prophet said, is it time to receive gifts? That means receiving of gifts wasn't bad, but it was not time. So because he missed the time, he got both the gifts and got leprosy. And, and he didn't know what the prophet was avoiding. There are times even when help is being offered to you, but that's not the help ordained of God. And because you are a man and a woman of prayer, you perceive and you can say, no, thank you. Is that not what we see in the life of Abraham? Come on, talk to me, church. Is that not what we see in the life of Abraham? When the king of Sodom offered him, what did he say? He says, I'm not taking anything lest you say I have made Abraham rich. He says, I've lifted my hands to God. Some of the things we call favor are just human flesh accomplishing the things that God said he was going to do in our lives and we were not patient enough to allow God to finish the process. Because if it were us, ah, you're going to share testimony the next Sunday, praise the Lord, you know, after the last miracle service. I just want my own. And the king of Sodom just came and said, I will give you everything. I said, Lord, a king said, I will give you everything. And I just received. And I said, yeah, well, tap into the anointing of kings giving you things. And the whole church will just be misled. If you do not stay in the place of prayer, you will not be able to discern between the flesh and the spirit. It's in the place of prayer that God helps you to make that discernment. And very quickly, I just want to wrap this up very quickly. Matthew chapter 14 verse 19. Just write the scriptures down. Matthew chapter 14 verse 19 and Luke chapter 24 verse 30 to 31. There's, a, there's something I want to pick up here. And it came so strong in my spirit. Jesus prayed before meals. When he was feeding the 5,000, the Bible says he lifted up the food and gave thanks. On the road to Emmaus, the Bible says in Luke 24, he broke bread. 
And I said this, I said, Jesus prayed the prayer of thanksgiving before meals. The simple provisions of God for us can be taken for granted. For instance, it's easy to just believe that there will always be food in the house, so it is normal, until you meet a hardworking person who is struggling to feed. In the life of Jesus, we learn the art of not taking things for granted, such as the things we eat. And this came so strongly in my heart. That, you know, sometimes the, 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 in quote, the common provisions of God for our life, we can take them for granted. You know, most of us don't even pray before we eat anymore. We have sanctified the food we are going to eat for the next 80 years. It's paid for. Right? And so the simple attitude of just thanking the Lord before we eat, we just lose it. But I see in the life of Jesus that before meals, he offered thanksgiving to God. And it's just something very simple. I know some of us grew up with the habit and we left it uh, midway. Even in my own life. <laughs> you know, sometimes, when I, my dad is big on this. When I eat with my dad sometimes, maybe he comes to visit or I go there and just bring the food and I start eating. He will say, put it down. Let's thank the Lord. And you know how those kind of prayers are. You already have the food. <laughs> I say, oh God, we thank you. Amen. You know, but I mean, as I'm studying this, I just see that I need to make adjustment right here. That it's not just about praying that the food will not poison us. You know, because some of us, that's how we pray. It's not because we want to thank the Lord. It's that we should not die. You know, some of us are just so scared of this thing called death. Oh Lord, I don't know where they cooked it. I don't know where they brought the water. I was the one that cooked it, but I don't also believe myself. Even if I've cooked, <laughs> even if I've cooked to keep myself, save me. Just full of fear. But that's not it. I see Jesus in his humanity thanking the Father for provisions. Amen. Amen. And as a local church, I just want us to, to adopt that. That when you go home this evening to eat, just thank the Lord that he has provided. Amen. We're not saying the works of my hands have sent me to the market. We're saying, Father, we're thanking you because there are still hardworking people who are struggling to put food on their table. Amen. So we see in the life of Jesus the gratitude for God's provision. I was with uh, Pastor Banky in, in Enugu, uh, I think last year, December, and there was something he said. He said, anytime I want to give, I thank the Lord for enabling me to give. Right? Right? And, and something came to my mind, which I'm practicing right now as I'm studying this, is, now one of the things is I don't study to preach. I just study, and out of what I study, I preach. So I basically study for my own life. But as I was studying this, I just also realized that even when we receive our salaries, what should we do? We thank the Lord for provisions. I know some of you are saying, Pastor, if you know what I earn, you will never thank the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's not enough. Now, this is where we miss it. We are not saying, because I've heard it taught this way, but that's not what I'm teaching. We're not saying that because he thanked God, that's why the food multiplied. Right? Because we, we are not teaching thanking the Lord for your food as a principle for increase. We're not teaching principles. You know why I said that? Because in Luke 24, when he thanked the Lord and broke bread, the food did not multiply. So thanking God is not the secret of multiplication. It is the lifestyle of a Christian who is grateful. I don't know if you, if you get what I'm saying. Because, oh, where he thanked the Lord is the secret of increase. No, the secret of increase is be the child of God. He will increase you. But when we lift our hands and say, Father, we thank you for this money that came into our hands, we're not using it as a secret to make him increase it. That itself is not gratitude. That itself is what now? Is, is greed. Are you following what I'm saying? When we lift up our meals and say, Father, we thank you for provision, we're not, we're not, we're not asking him to increase it. We are just grateful that we can feed our family. We are just grateful that we are not begging for food. Why? Because there are hardworking people who are struggling. By the time the salary hits the account, we say, Father, we thank you that we can work and we can earn this much. Even though it's not enough. But Father, we are grateful. 
are you are you following what i'm saying so from the life of jesus we learn the attitude of gratitude in the place of prayer learn to thank the lord every time you sit to eat your meal thank him for provisions outside of that thank him that you can eat amen because there are people who eat through their stomach there are people who eat through their nose there are people who eat through everywhere thank the lord that you can digest food because I've also been in meetings, been with people who ate, and then they need to take tablets to help them to digest the food. You know, I remember, and I'll close with this. I remember, you know, Paul always said, finally, my brethren, up to two times. This is my last closing. <laughs> now, I remember one particular Christmas, we were still growing up, and we went to visit this uh, brother, and we stayed over in the house at night. And it was around 2 a.m. You know how Christmas night people don't sleep on time? And then the guy came and said, ah, he has about, he has this food, and, ah, but he's late. He doesn't know if we can eat at 2 o'clock. Ah. Whether we can eat at 2 o'clock or we are planning to eat, I don't know. What, what's the question? Ask it properly. Like, we can eat anytime. He now said, ah, that his children, if they eat past 11, they will not be able to sleep. They will be turning on bed. I said, no, it's because there's too much food. It's too much food. That, you are turning because you ate by 2. No, if we wake us up by 2 to eat, we'll eat. 3.30, we'll eat. 4.30. If you say every hour, we'll be giving you something to eat. No problem. We will not turn. So the problem is not with the food. The problem is not with their stomach. It's just that they are full. But then I realized, growing up later, that they had a condition. And it was difficult for them to eat when it was very late. And then I realized that even the things we take for granted, some people have to pay lots to be able to achieve them. Just simple things as the ability to eat. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's just lift up our hands and just thank the Lord. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.